Our reading this morning is taken from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 1 through to the end of the chapter. Paul, the preacher to the Gentiles. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to, to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I have already written briefly, in reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the, the Spirit to God, God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are his together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace, given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. A prayer for the Ephesians. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, for whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Sean. Bless you. So this morning I want to just uh, pick up, before we, gosh, time's gone on, hasn't it? You know, you want your tea and coffee? Is your roast going to be all right? You sure? You got on the time, might be all right, okay. Um, I just want to pick up on a little theme that I, I started exploring with you a, a few weeks ago um, when I was talking about this whole idea of not wanting to live the normal life anymore. Do you, do you remember that? And I was talking, I talked about this term, savage. Do you remember that? Um, this term is, 
I don't know, it's the youngsters it is. They've taken this now. They take all these words and they make them mean different things. You remember like sick? Sick used to mean vomit. Now it means really cool. Something's really great. That's sick, that is. Anyway, savage. Savage is one of those terms that's increasingly used now. And it's, it's that kind of stuff that people do. And when you see somebody doing savage stuff, it's like you, your first reaction is to go, what the, you nuts! What do you do that for? It's doing stuff that nobody else has the guts to do. And there's lots of people who do savage stuff. You go on the internet, all over YouTube, loads of people doing it. But this term is becoming used more and more to, to mean that. It's, it's a rebuttal against, against the dullness of life. You know, that dullness on a Wednesday afternoon when you're at work. You know, it comes to all of us, even pastors, I tell you. You just sit in there and you just think. <sighs> but it's, it's about going against the trend. It's about getting out of the rut, getting out of the normal. And as we started to explore that a number of weeks ago, uh, we talked about how the Christian life should be savage. It should be sick. It should be very different. It shouldn't be dull and boring and normal. It shouldn't be stuck in a rut. The Christian life, the life that we see expounded by Jesus in the New Testament, is, all, is a life that is anything but normal. It is a life filled with hope and value and power. And we went on, I think, in the second uh, sermon I preached on this to just talk about how it's just full of grace. And it doesn't treat us as we deserve to be treated. And, and it's not fair in many ways, is it? We remember, look, we look at that. Alan, John, you love this. But it's not fair. It's not fair that you and I get to be forgiven. It's not. Because you know what's going on in your life. And you know the rubbish that you've done. Don't tell me that it's fair you get forgiven. Of course it's not. And that's the Jesus that we follow. That's the God we worship. He doesn't treat us fairly. Hallelujah for that. He lavishes his grace and his mercy on us, doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. And he says, come on, live this life differently. Live it savage for me. Now, I, I don't know about you, but let me just say honestly, okay? It's easy to get whipped up and encouraged about that in here on a Sunday morning, isn't it? For one or two of you it is. The reality is you've got to go out into the real world and live your life with colleagues, with family, with friends, neighbors, you know, who wind you up. And, and the truth is you go out and it's easy in here, but in the real world, we are bombarded with the normal. I put that up for Kate. Because <laughs> that is it, isn't it? That is normal life. Do you ever feel like that at your desk sometimes? You know, June, I mean, June and Mary running around the kitchen doing the work that they do. Do you ever get to that stage and you just think, oh. We do. Let's be honest about it. But we set out maybe from a Sunday, hopefully we come into chapel and we get encouraged and we're like, yeah, we're going to do this this week. Come on. I'm going to live a faith-filled, spirit-energized, savage life. I'm going I'm I'm to be different. I'm not going to settle for normal at school or at college or at work this week. But by the time you walk off the bus on Tuesday morning or you're halfway through the first class or you're getting into that mid-morning cup of coffee on Wednesday, your inspiration is a bit like this poor dog. And you're starting to think, 
you begin to realize all the things in your life that you need to change in order to live a savage life, a different life. And it just weighs in on you, and you feel discouraged and uninspired, and you become all too well aware of your limitations. Because it's all right drawing superheroes, but trying to live like one ain't easy. And we've all discovered that. We set off with good intentions, and the truth is, it doesn't always work out. When I was young, we uh, used to do a lot of outdoor pursuit stuff. And I can remember going on a gorge walk. Have you ever done a gorge walk? Anybody here done a gorge walk? Thank you. Two, three. Right, gorge walk. Absolutely brilliant. It was an absolutely fantastic thing. We did all this climbing up these waterfalls and through this gorge and following the, the course of the river and everything. And the biggest thing they told us at the end, there was this great big leap you could do into this massive quarry, uh, a pond that was there. And it was a, a huge, huge drop. Must have been, oh, 20 feet? <laughs> This seemed like it was 200. Do you know what I mean? I don't know how high it was, really. But we were all going up to the top of this. We were all anticipating it. We were all full of, oh, this is going to be absolutely brilliant, and we're really going to enjoy this. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. It wasn't in the days where you had mobile phones and being able to take selfies or anything like that. But we were just going to go and do it. When I finally got to the edge and looked over, <laughs> you know, you've been there, have you? You suddenly think... Words that you can't say in chapel on a Sunday morning. You think, I can't do this. And it wasn't helped by the fact there was a, a little ledge about six feet down with a bit of a branch growing out of it. So you couldn't stand on the edge and just go, Geronimo! You couldn't do that. You had to run and take a leap. Oh, yes. You can see. I mean, I was... I tell you, one by one, all my mates, Geronimo! We always used to sound that Indian's name, didn't we? And they used to, they used to run and way, splash, way, look at him, one on his dear clay, swim to the side, and then he'd be cheering on the others. One by one, they were all going like those lemmings. Do you remember those from years ago? And they were all going after it and everything. My turn came, Owen. I've always been a big boy. Just so aware of the limitations, so convinced that I couldn't get beyond that ledge, that branch. I was never, ever going to do it. And I felt so scared, so concerned about getting maimed on the way down. There's an obstacle for me to get over. How am I going to do it? I did it. I did do it. But you can identify with that. At times in all of our lives, when you set out with good intentions to do stuff, and you're up for it, and it even happens spiritually on a Sunday, and you're up for it, yeah, this week, this week, I'm going I'm to watch my potty mouth, and, and I'm going to be good, and, and I'm going I'm to work harder with that colleague that's been really winding me up. We start off with good intentions and then things happen and we start to trip up and our limitations and, and we trip over ourselves. It's one thing to want to live out the savage life for life 
that God's created us to live, but it's another thing to actually take that jump. For many of us, whenever we think about God, we're reminded of the gap, the gulf that stands between him and us. It doesn't take long for the gap of our limitations to freeze us in the pursuit of the savage life. We, we sense the jump God is calling us to take, the life that he wants us to live, and yet we can all just see the obstacles. Hear me on this this morning, please. Feeling like we are too far from God to experience what he has for us is totally normal. Please hear that. Feeling like we're too far from God to experience all that he has for us is totally normal. The problem is that keeps us from experiencing the full life, the savage life that he has for us. As we've been looking at what it means to ditch normality and live a savage life following Jesus, we've been picking up verses from that passage that uh, Paul, uh, that Sean was reading about the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 3. That there are Bibles at the end of every pew. Why don't you open it up if you've got a Bible up on your phone? Open it up to Ephesians chapter 3 because we're going to look at just a few things before we finish this morning. And while you're doing that, let me just say a little bit about this guy uh, who wrote Ephesians. Because it's fascinating to me to look at him as an individual. I mean, at one point, Paul himself was too far away from God. You just think about it. He was miles from God. No matter how religious or irreligious uh, you, you, you might view yourself, most of us, I guess, in here this morning will have heard of the Apostle Paul throughout the world in different Christian traditions. Paul is known as a champion for Christianity, a champion for the faith. But he wasn't always closely tied to Jesus. He writes in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8, I am less than the least of all the Lord's people. And that is true. He was. He was a complete numpty. He was the guy that set out to destroy the church. He had to change his name because people feared who he was. His original name was Saul. And when people heard that Saul of Tarsus had apparently found religion, they didn't believe it. They were scared stiff of him. They would run from him, hide from him. This wasn't a guy that you could trust. This wasn't a guy that was going to show you how to live the Christian life. Flip me, no. Miles from God. And yet he had this encounter with God one day, and his life totally transformed, and he changed around, and he went from being unable to be any further away from God to actually being so close to God that God used him in an amazing way. The truth is this. Jesus came into this world for people who are too far away from him. And I wonder if this morning, even though we've had communion and stuff, I wonder if this morning, the truth is, some of you are sat here and you feel you're miles away from God. That you've been struggling and you think you're not good enough to be any closer to God. And you feel that kind of God checked out a long time ago on you because of some of the stuff you've been up to. The woman in John 8, viewed as absolute garbage by her community because of her sexual promiscuity, was, in their eyes, too far from God, right or off. 
The criminal on the cross next to Jesus when he was crucified, committed loads of crimes and everything. Everybody looked at him and thought, you're stuffed, son. You're too far from God. And it's these very people that help remind us Jesus has a passion for those who are too far from God. In fact, it seems as if Jesus' mentality is, the further, the better. Oh, yeah. So the further you're away, the better. Because he loves to show that his grace is bigger than any gap that may stand between you and God. Oh, I know there's this little fellow, isn't he? Does he sit on your shoulder, whispering? Never takes a break from trying to get us to believe that we're, oh, you're too far from God, see, Mark? You're standing up at the front on a Sunday saying all these things, if only they knew the truth about you. No matter how long we've been in a relationship with Jesus, no matter what position we hold in the church and stuff, the enemy wants to convince us that we're far from God. After you give your life to Jesus, everything does not become peachy, does it? In fact, sometimes circumstances get worse after you begin a relationship with Jesus. Because it's blinking hard to live for him in the real world. Some of us who are Christians are bombarded every day with our limitations, what we've done wrong, what we're addicted to, how we should be doing better. And by doing so, that little voice uh, limits our effectiveness. Our effectiveness to witness to our friends, our family, our colleagues, and it's limiting all of the time our potential impact for Jesus. But hear this, please. Nothing... Nothing the enemy can do can change the fact that you're a child of God. Woo! I woke Sheila Brown up. There you go. That's amazing. You may feel rubbish about yourself. You may be drifting in your relationship with God. You may not have had a quiet time since I don't know when. I tell you this. If there was a time in your life when you made a decision for Christ, that's not changed. Because if that can change... Well, we're stuffed. If it's all about your potential to attain certain things and achieve a certain credit score with God, thinks I'm not going to hear this. Well, that's why this isn't fair. Because if it's about point scoring, I'm much better than all of you. Because I'm a pastor. <laughs> doesn't work like that, though, does it? And you know that. And I know that. Let's remind ourselves of that. That's the reality. Nothing can change the fact that you're a child of God. You're not going to get it right all of the time. You are going to muck up. Welcome to the human race. But by overwhelming us with a sense of our limitations and our shortcomings, the enemy, oh, he wants to limit your impact because all you'll do is worry about, oh, I'm not good enough, really. We won't experience the truly savage life that God created us to do. John, come up. Let me ask John to come and join us just for a second here. John's been uh, serving with uh, BMS World Mission in uh, Chad. And uh, John's a qualified doctor. And uh, he went over there for four months. Uh, we haven't got much time, John, so I'm going to get straight to the nub of this. You've just come back from four months working in Chad at the Christian Hospital in Guinea Ball 2. 
Uh, obviously, to go there, uh, you must have been very, very close to God. Your spiritual life must have been absolutely bang on fire. You were just witnessing for Jesus, seeing thousands come to faith every day, because that's what missionaries are like, isn't that? Um, did that hinder you when you were there? Um, so, yeah, I, that's not true. <laughs> um, um, truth, truth be told, um, my spiritual life was in a big mess um, prior to going out in Chad. And from all the advice I was getting from everyone about what sort of, you know, about, you know, actually going to a high-pressure environment um, where, you know, it's a difficult environment to live and work, um, both physically and spiritually. Uh, all the advice was you need to get yourself sorted with Jesus. You need to get your, your sort of self in order. But I was, yeah, nowhere near that. And um, I was, you know, honestly, the only reason why I didn't ring BMS up and cancel was because I was too cowardly to pick up the phone. That's my boy. <laughs> Coward. <laughs> okay, you're being brutally honest. Uh, obviously, I, I knew the, the truth here because you'd shared it with me since, since you've been home in particular, but also during your time there. Realistically, then, you went. I mean, how are you and Jesus now, then? God's good, isn't he? Um, yeah. Um, I think, you know, so, yeah, by God's grace... I feel much closer to God. Um, Jesus really brought me back al alongside him. Um, I think, I don't know, f f for me, you know, I think there's an element of it's easy when you're in a bit of a, you know, you're there, I was there but to, on a God thing. So, you know, it was a bit easier to focus on God and some of those normal things that sort of get in the way here. Obviously, I didn't take a lot of those with me to Chad. Um, but I think also like the act of obedience of going sort of was a subconscious affirmation that actually Jesus is on top and he is the chief guy and sort of, sort of acknowledging his authority. And I think that that was um, a big part of what allowed me to then come to him and be like, Lord, I, I just need you because how the heck am I going to do this? Um, the truth is you can work things out. You know, you started in a bad place. You, you can work things out. And it's, it's good, isn't it, to hear about the Christian bubble? Because there's a Christian bubble when you're working in a mission context. There's a Christian bubble here. See, it's that thing again, isn't it? It's easy to do all of this when we're together. But when you have to go into the real world on Monday morning and go about your work, and when you have to be with your family and wind you up, the reality is it's not that easy. John, what does the future hold then for you now? So Apart from eating me out of house and home. <laughs> that. Um, I'm going to, I'm moving to Manchester, um, which is a new city for me. Um, and I'm going to start my paediatric specialty training. Um, so I think, you know, I'm really praying that um, I'll be able to find a church and a Christian community there. Um, and that I'll be able to sort of try and not let all those things you've been talking about um, get in the way and, don't want to get like I was before. I know it'd be difficult, but I'm just going to keep praying and trying to rely on God. So. And your church family here will be praying for you as well. Cheers. Thanks, son. Cheers. Thank you, John. Wow. You don't clap him, you clap me at the end. That's all right. <laughs>
And I just wanted John to share it, because as John, John came home Thursday, and as he was sharing with me, I was just thinking, Lord, you know, is this an opportunity just to share honestly with somebody who's been on the... Because we hold missionaries up, and, you know, and they're the great, you know, people who are super spiritual and all of this. And the reality was, as you heard from John, he didn't go out there in the right kind of spiritual peak condition that he should have been. But see, he was still a child of God. He was a child of God, even though he wasn't as close to God as perhaps he should have been and stuff like that. The moment we put our faith in Jesus, our limitations are put to death. Please hear that. We're filled with immeasurable hope and value and power through the Spirit of God. Jesus puts our limitations to death so that we can make a limitless impact. Check out what Paul says uh, here in Ephesians chapter 3. He says, look, to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us. No matter where we're at in our spiritual journey, God wants us to experience immeasurably more. That's the key thing. More of him, more of the life that he offers. This is not all there is. There's more, immeasurably more. And that can look different for each one of us. Maybe you're in church for the first time today or in a very long time. And this is the beginning of immeasurably more in your relationship with God. Come on. Maybe you've been coming to church a while now and you've got a bit too comfortable and you're in a bit of a rut and you're a bit stagnant in your spiritual growth. God wants you to experience immeasurably more. Don't settle for second best. And Paul writes, doesn't he? To him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. That implies to me, in Paul's mind, we're asking. Truth is, many of us are not. Many of us are just settled for dull. We need to ask. We need to imagine. We want to do immeasurably more. Do you want that? I hope you do. Don't settle for normal. Okay, it's any time for a cup of tea. No matter what immeasurably more looks like for us, the question we have to ask ourselves is, when it comes to my relationship with God, do I want more? Do I want more of the same? Or do I want immeasurably more of God? Do you want to continue to be caught up in the normal life of living for the next thrill, the next trend, the next relationship, the next paycheck? Or are you ready this morning to experience the savage life? Because God has created you for better than this. So much better. Do you want to continue having your moments with God only by coming to church on a Sunday or being in a connect group? What about if you could have moments with God every day? On Wednesday morning, before you go to work, you could have moments with God. Wow. Do you want to continue keeping your faith private, keeping it to yourself at school or at work or at college? What about putting your neck on the line in an effort of helping other people know Jesus? Do you want to continue to remain in your spiritual rut? Or do you want Jesus to move you forward to more Christ-like centeredness? Do you want more of the same or do you want immeasurably more? I know what I want. I want immeasurably more. As a ministry team here, we're choosing immeasurably more. How awesome would it be if this church was full of people sold out to experiencing immeasurably more of God? Wow. Then we'd start to have an impact. One of my heroes, William Carey, wrote, expect great things from God, attempt great things for him. Well, we're not going to settle for normal. We're going to do some stuff.
So, what's your immeasurably more? Whatever you think it is, God wants to do more than you're anticipating. So let me ask you, it's time to start imagining big, isn't it? What does God want for you?